most of us has witnessed violence. Right. So most of us have the propensity to react in violent ways in the event that we don't check ourselves or we don't surround ourselves with people who are comfortable and confident enough to correct us in those moments. Shane, welcome to uh, Millennial Manhood. Thanks for coming on this morning. Uh, thanks for having me. So I've got Shane Foster with me. And for folks who uh, don't know who you are, what your story is, you know, what's the 10,000 foot view? <laughs> uh, well, I grew up in New Orleans, Louisiana during a time when it was the murder capital of the world. Um, saw a lot of things, a lot of things people shouldn't see. Um, experienced a lot in a very short amount of time. And um, basketball was my escape and and had a chance to be recruited by most um schools in the country and had a um took a visit to Vanderbilt, met some amazing people, um, experienced culture like I'd never seen it before. Um got introduced to Nashville and and decided that uh I wanted to go to Vanderbilt, the best academic school in the SEC. And so um four years later I become the school's all time leading scorer and in school history and uh SEC player of the year, all American um, all the accolades, and I was drafted in the NBA to the Dallas Mavericks, spent some time with the Utah Jazz, played overseas in Italy, Belgium, and Turkey. So I got a chance to travel the entire world playing the game that I love. And then um, after six years, retired, came back to Nashville, helped to start a charter school, um, got engaged with the YWCA to build a program that engages men to end violence against women and girls, um, turned that into a national program, and then recently started a consulting firm. Um, where we're helping companies with their workplace culture, diversity, equity, and inclusion, ESG, um, and really making a difference. And, you know, my whole life is about, you know, impacting people, organizations, communities in a positive way and, and using my experiences and platform to be able to, to do that. Man, that's, that's such an interesting trajectory because you go from New Orleans in the nineties and early two thousands when it's a, um, a very dangerous environment to grow up in. But I mean, I want to spend a little bit of time on that. What do you think looking back now as a grown man at those experiences? Was it something about the culture? Was it something about the environment? Was it what what was the 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 perfect combo that made it such a dangerous place? So you uniquely in a way. Um and what do you think gave you the foresight to get into basketball and then go to Vandy and to get out of that environment. Um, because a lot of folks don't. Yeah, I think it was a combination of a lot of things. Um, first and foremost, um, New Orleans had a lot to do with slavery, um, a while ago and, and Jim Crow. And, um, I believe the, the, I don't know if he was a governor or, chief police or something like that. He was in a higher up political position. Um, was David Duke who formerly ran the KKK, right? Like, um, and so, you know, you got a, a huge history of that, but then you also have one of the most unique cultures in the world. Um, when you think about Cajun and Mardi Gras and history and jazz and, um, all kinds of different music, brass bands, um, art, 
right? Like you got all of this, this amazing culture. Um, but then at the same time, because of the location and because of the number of hurricanes that come through New Orleans, Louisiana area um, annually, you also have a lot of people who have had everything stripped away from them. Right? You got a lot of people who are in poverty, um, a lot of people on Section 8 housing and um, government assistance. Um, and because the economy in New Orleans has never really taken off, so to speak, um, it's very difficult for the people who make New Orleans, New Orleans to also be able to live and enjoy um, the best parts of New Orleans consistently, right? And so, which which is why you, even now um, it's a struggle because so much of our musicians and artists, people who really make the culture what it is, uh, have been moved out because they can't yeah. afford it, right? Um, and so, as a result, then you also add on top of that um, times in our history where we've had a very corrupt um, police force. Um, you had very corrupt people in the school board. Um, you know, so, so, so you're talking about, you know, periods of time where many people who look like me were getting like just crazily taken advantage of. Right. And so you got all of this happening all at the same time. And, which which puts people in a place of having to survive every day, and 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 that's 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 what it was. And uh, while there were so many great positive things that came out of my experience in New Orleans, the survival piece was also a part of it too, yeah. right? And 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 certainly once I found basketball, I was kind of sheltered from a lot of that because people saw that you know I had a. a, a promising career had to be. Um, I had, you know, some potential and, you know, in the, in the black community, when, when people show that they have something special, something unique or elite about them that, that will give them an opportunity to get out, the whole community starts to protect them. The whole community starts to shelter them. So even, you know, I remember as a kid when when people in our neighborhood would, would go to do drugs or gang activity or, you know, they were going to fight or going to shoot up a, whatever, they'd always tell me and, and, and my friend Micah, um, you know, y'all, y'all need to go home. Y'all, y'all need to get away from this, right? It's about to get ugly. You don't need to be around this, right? Um, and so, you know, that's, that's kind of what happened, um, which is how I get an opportunity to go to Vanderbilt, to, you know, stay out of trouble, um, to, you know, be in honors classes and, you know, really, really excel academically to the stance that I could go to Vanderbilt and be successful there. Um, and then from there, it was just, you know, being exposed to something that I had never seen before. And, and, and now, now that my eyes have been open, it's like, I want more for myself. I want more for my brothers and sisters. I want more for my family. Right. And so I got to go out here and figure out how to be successful outside of New Orleans so that I can show them that it's possible. 
right? And so that became a large part of my motivation there as as well. Um, I never forget my first time being in Nashville and went and ate at these people's house and they took us out on the lake and we all on jet skis and stuff and boats and everybody's having this grand time. And I'm like, yo, people don't do this in New Orleans. This is amazing, right? Like, like yeah. this, is, this is pretty cool. What do y'all do for a living, right? Like, like I started, yeah. started asking questions and figuring out, I'm like, all I can right. afford a boat. What's this? Yeah. 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 Like, like, okay, cool. So, so I can, I can, I can do some things different than, than what I saw. Mm. Right. Like I can, I can, I guess it's attainable now. Right? right. And so from then, then on, I had a different level of focus, um, and, and different dreams. Um, but it became very attainable for me. What do you think it is about that specific example of what you said? Like somebody's about to go, you know, maybe to shoot up a place or whatever. It may be some, some unsavory situation. What do you think it is that says about the human spirit to, to where there's this almost innate knowledge of like, Hey man, this kid's got potential, like get him out of here. Yeah. Well, I, I think, I think you hit it on the head. Like I think everybody has inside of them um, some core values that are important to them, regardless of what their own personal situations are. And in most cases, People who are in gangs, people who are, you know, doing drugs, um, some of the worst people that I've that that I've met that have suffered the the most consequences in their lives, they're still good people. Yeah, they they found themselves in situations where they had to survive, and 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 you know their method of survival. Is, is what caused them to make decisions that that put their life and their future in danger. Or they they experienced extreme trauma and the way in which they cope with that trauma is by choosing and making decisions that put their life and their future in danger. But it's not because they're horrible people. It's not because they're just all around bad people. I think I think everybody is multifaceted, right? I wrote this book called What Hurt Didn't Hinder. Um, and in the book, I kind of talk about what I call the duality of people, how how most of us, we can be great in certain areas of our lives, but also be horrible in some other ones. But because of our our current culture, it's frowned upon to be completely transparent and and vulnerable such that you expose your flaws the same way you ex- expose the things that are, are good about yourself, right? And so what ends up happening is we normalize wearing a mask. We don't normalize authenticity, right? Like you, like you think about just re- even with the example of relationships, right? Like people don't really talk about their relationships. They, they don't they don't talk about and share, you know, how they overcome adversity, um, you know, how two people become one in a marriage, like, you know, all of the, the difficult conversations, how to walk away and then come back. And, you know, when, when things get heated, how to fight fair, you know, like the, people are not talking about that, how, how you deal with grief, how you deal with loss in family, um, you know. People aren't talking about those things on a regular basis because we want to we want to wear the mask. Like we want people to think and feel that we out we got it all together and we're good and you know all that kind of stuff. And 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 it it trickles over into all these other areas of our life. 
um, and such that when when people are struggling, you know, that's why mental health is so critical right now. Right. Like mm-hmm. people are starting to talk about the mental health uh, implications of it. But when people are struggling mentally, they don't feel safe talking about it. They don't feel safe going to anybody saying, yo, like mentally, I'm not in a good place. Like I'm having these thoughts and it's not good. I don't want to do it, but I also don't know what to do, you know, and it's constant and those kind of things. Like people aren't able to just be truly transparent and vulnerable in that way. And so we leave people to fight for themselves. And it's in those moments that people, particularly those who are in survival mode, have to make decisions that even they aren't always proud of. Even they don't necessarily want to do, but in that moment, they feel like they don't have a choice. Yeah, it's our culture almost brings it to a point where it's like, God forbid somebody see you as a three-dimensional person. Mm -hmm. The good, the bad, the ugly, the deep, the shallow, the, you know, the, the, the thoughts that maybe you don't want to have, the decisions that maybe you haven't wanted to make. There's so much shame built into any discourse that we have Mm -hmm. and you know i'm kind of curious what your thoughts are on that because i at at least in my experience again this is just anecdotally personally what i've seen the less you care about fitting in and being part of the in crowd the easier it is to show yourself as a three-dimensional person because you don't believe that the consequences of showing the negative side are actually there. Cause at the end of the day, what, why are you putting on a mask? Well, cause you, you, you're scared to get kicked out of the tribe. Mm-hmm. That's essentially what it is. Well, when you know you won't get kicked out of the tribe or that that fictional tribe that you think of doesn't actually exist, the tribe might be actually a lot smaller and a lot more intimate and a lot more concrete than you think it is. It becomes a lot easier to be, to be you. And, and, I'm sure you experienced a lot of that being, you know, a tall, you know, athletic dude who doesn't look like a lot of folks around him at Vanderbilt when you show up in the in the early 2000s, you know, and, and, and you're 18 and you're coming out of New Orleans into this completely different environment. So I'm sure there's there's an in crowd you tried to tried to be around and and you had to overcome maybe that you had to mature past that stage as well. Yeah, 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 for sure, man. I'll, I'll never forget um, walking around campus and my freshman year talking to people and people literally couldn't understand the words that were coming out of my mouth. <laughs> like, like when you grow up in new Orleans, like there's a, there's a language, there's a, right. there's an accent, right? Like, right. There, like it's, it's a culture. There's a, there's a lingo, there's a vernacular. Yeah. And so I learned very quickly that in order for me to be able to communicate with my peers and 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 the authority figures there that I was going to have to figure out how to assimilate in some ways and so that I could also reap the benefits of the space that I was in right and so that that came along with it I'm I'm still the same person but I had to evolve in order for me to be not necessarily accepted but for me to be successful mm. in this new environment, right? Yeah. Um, basketball for me gave me immediate likability. Right. right. Immediate social proof. Right. Like, like I had all the street credit cause I came from new Orleans, but then also 
They knew I wasn't illiterate because I'm I'm here at Vanderbilt, <laughs> right? Um, and and I can hold my own in the classroom, you know. But also, man, I'll tell you, I'll never forget being, I was in Wendy's at like two o'clock in the morning with my teammates and a young lady uh, that I had been dancing with in the club all night. And unbeknownst to me, she had a boyfriend. And so we sitting there, we all having a good time eating after the club. And then all of a sudden, the guy gets out of his car and comes up to the to the window at Wendy's and he's beating on the window and he's calling my name, telling me to come outside because he wants to fight because I'm in there with his girl, right? And me being from New Orleans, I'm like, all right, cool, what's up? And I stand up and my teammate, Julian Terrell, was sitting next to me. He grabbed my shoulder and pushed me back down. It was like, yo, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, this dude out here calling me out. I got to handle my business. What are you talking about? And he said, you're not in that place anymore. You got way more to lose. Right. And he don't. And he don't. That ain't fair. So, so, so forget how you might feel. Forget about what all these other people might say. You got way more to lose right now. And I'm not about to, I'm not about to let you give all of that up for something that don't even matter. That was the first time in my life that another man made it acceptable for me to not fight. Right. To not exude this hyper masculinity. Mm -hmm. Right. To not have to physically defend myself. That was the first time in my life somebody basically told me, you don't have to survive anymore. You're right. good. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And and that was a defining moment for me, man, because all of my experiences leading up to that moment would have had me outside fighting this dude, but then the ticker on ESPN would have been Vanderbilt star athlete Shane Foster gets into a brawl at Wendy's at 2 o'clock in the morning. And now I've embarrassed the university. I've embarrassed my family, right? There's potential repercussions to that that impact my career and future, right? Might impact my my standing at Vanderbilt, right? Like this. And he was absolutely right. I had way more to lose. And nobody knows that dude's name. Right. 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 And so it's, it's, it's one of those experiences that, that, that really, you know, put things into perspective for me, but also let me know that the tribe that I've been trying to be a part of my whole life, to your point, was not the tribe that served me well. And so it was in that moment that I had to start figuring out, okay, how do I create a new normal? Right? Like who 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 is who is the guy that's better than what I've been. Let's go find that guy. And in some ways, let's create that guy. Mm. Yeah, that's an interesting uh, dynamic there because, you know, as a as a grown man, like I'm thinking through that situation, you know, obviously I'm married, so I'm not out the club, at the club dancing with, you know, random women. But I'm just thinking like if I was in that situation today and somebody was like, hey, come outside. <laughs> 
you're with my girl. I would politely walk the young lady out and be like, have a nice night. Bye. <laughs> like, I don't, I'm not fighting for you. Have you lost your mind? Yeah. Uh, but, but that's as a grown man with where you can check your ego and be like, yeah, this ain't like, this ain't crucial. Have you lost your mind? What are you talking about? Uh, but when you're 18 and you're just like full of testosterone and hot air and you know, you're constantly thinking about like, how do people perceive you? That's such a, like the fact that your teammate pushed you down was like, Hey man, chill out. Like, what are you doing? That is such a powerful moment because as essentially, if we break it down, the peer pressure and fear of being kicked out of the tribe of your team was significantly more terrifying than the peer pressure and fear of being kicked out of whatever perceived tribe of not fighting this dude. Yep. Right. Basically the punishment became so severe on one end to something you actually value to where you were like that. Yeah, this doesn't make sense. Bye. Yeah. And, and, and that is such a, in, in a weird way, uh, healthy and in a weird way, you know, unhealthy way as well, cause it is this peer pressure thing, but like positive peer pressure is a thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad you shared that story because I'm a big proponent of, especially amongst men, not just, not just young men, but shoot all the way up to their seventies, like calling each other out on, on the crap, calling each other out on the stupidity, calling each other out on poor decisions. Um, because unfortunately as men or fortunately, that is how we learn. Um, you know, we, we, we make fun of each other as a way of bonding. And then we also learn by being like, Hey, quit being an idiot. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's so, it's so so important, man. You know, when, when I think about, you know, a lot of the work that I've done around engaging men to end violence against women and girls, you know, right. So much of that work is giving men the permission to show up differently for each other Mm. to where it becomes just as cool for me to hold you accountable for your morals, your values. Right. Right. It's just as important for me to ensure that you be the best version of yourself as it is for me to be in this crowd with you at all. Right. Right. Like, like if we're going to be associated at all, then I'm going to put such a premium on who I'm around and love you enough to hold you accountable, even at the risk of you not wanting to be around me anymore. Mm. Right. Like I got to love you enough to, to protect you from you. Right. Not, because you never you never know what people have been exposed to in their lives that has made certain behavior acceptable for them. Mm. Right? Like the fact that there are, you know, the statistics say that boys who witness abuse are more than twice as likely to repeat that behavior. Right. Well, most of us, be it in our own house in our community, or even through social media, most of us has witnessed violence. Right. So most of us have the propensity to react in violent ways in the event that we don't check ourselves or we don't surround ourselves with people who are comfortable and confident enough to correct us in those moments. But in this male culture, for so long, the norm has been 
I'm not getting in that. Even if I feel like you're doing something wrong, I'm more likely to just walk away and not say anything than I am to call you out. And what I've realized is that that's more detrimental. It's more detrimental for you to be somebody who is a friend, who is a brother, who is a teammate, who is a a colleague, a peer. You're more detrimental to an individual because you won't help them in that moment, because you won't won't say anything. You're more dangerous to them than most other coping mechanisms. Because we all need accountability. Right? That don't stop when you're 18 and you leave your parents' house. We all need accountability because you can't see yourself. You can only live it. Right? And so many times, based on the situation and circumstance, our subconscious causes us to act out in ways before we ever even think and process our actions and behaviors. So if we're not surrounding ourselves with people who who will hold us accountable, that's that's probably one of the more dangerous things you can do in your life. And it's 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 contrary to our current culture, right? When you look at you look at all this social media stuff, right? Like like it's all about getting likes. Right, right. It's all about building up followership, right? right? That tribe that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. But in most cases, the tribe is yes men. Right. It's it's people who are just validating what you do and say. And anybody that comes to challenge, that makes us uncomfortable. And we tend to move away from those people when those are the most valuable people in your life. Right? One of the, one of the smartest things I ever did when I was in school, there were a few people in my life that I kept around me solely because they didn't care that I was a basketball player. They didn't care that I was killing it on the court. They didn't care that I had all this hype. Yeah. They just cared about me. Right. And 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 they showed me early on that they were going to hold me accountable even when I didn't like it. Right. One of my best friends, Andrea uh, Roseman Davis, um, who is in education here in Nashville, but she started at Vanderbilt with me before transferring to Tulane. Right. She would tell me every single day, Shane, you can do this work. You 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 need to do this work. Like you you got to do this work so people come from come behind you, right? Like like you we're not gonna let you slip. Like you're not going to sleep in class. Wake your butt up. I had to work out too because she ran track. Like get your butt up, get this work, and and we're gonna go be successful. I'm not gonna let you fail, right? I'm not gonna let you take this excuse or take the the easy route out, right? Like you you got to get this, right? Another friend of mine, um, Cece, that lives, I think she lives in Dallas now. Um, another person who held me accountable, Shane, you, 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 you're a Christian, right? Like you, you love God, you know, the word, like you can't be out here acting like everybody else. People are watching you because of what you stand for, because of your morals, because of your values, right? And and you can't cause other people to fail because they're watching you and you made it acceptable for them to do so, right? Like those were the kinds of people 
that held me accountable to that level and that degree, you know, and I value those friendships so much because I don't become the person I am today if not for those accountable people. How do you feel about, you know, as I've gotten older, I've, I've really started to contextualize some things. And for me personally, I've realized that the most unhappy I am in life across the board is when I am surrounded by people where I feel like I'm the cream of the crop. What I mean by that is I don't feel challenged and I don't feel intimidated by, by new people in my social circle. And when I think back at it, it, it really is, there's almost a direct one-to-one correlation of when I'm most down about myself is when I, I feel like I'm at the pinnacle. Mm. Now with you, especially playing pro ball, you're constantly, you know, you're just by the nature of the meritocracy of that environment, you're constantly put yourself around, you know, if you go play college ball, you might've been a man in high school, but everybody on that college ball team was the man in high school. You go play pro. You're talking about the man and the, like, I hate when people like talk trash about NBA players, bro. The worst player in the league would mop the floor with you 41 to zero and you'd never score on yep. ever in a million years. It, it wouldn't happen. You know what I mean? Uh, it's like Brian Scalabrini said in an interview. He was like, yeah, man, I might I might suck a, uh, compared to LeBron James, but I'll score 100 on you and you'll never even see the basket. <laughs> you know? yeah. So yeah. anyway, sorry. <laughs> no, nah, that's I mean, that's 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 completely true, man. People don't realize the the level of work and perfection that goes into reaching that level. You know, and yeah. and it's it's more than you know, I got a switch I can flip because I, I get off on big crowds or, you know, I can I can cross somebody up, right? Or or I got floaters in my game and I can do all these things, right? Like it's 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 way this is a craft, right? Mm-hmm. Like like basketball at that level becomes your job. Right. And so, you know, when everybody else is getting up going to work from eight to five, like we're in a basketball court. Right. right. We're working on craft. We're when 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 people get in the gym and, and, and they want to make five shots in a row. Right. Like we're, we're making 18 out of 20. Mm. Right. Like it's, it's just it's a, it's a completely different level of, of focus. Right. Like and and the thing is, when people are elite. Their job is to make it look easy. Right. Right. But but. But just because it looks easy don't mean you can just step into those shoes and do it. Right. Right. But at the same time, it's also humbling because you do realize that when you get to that level, that everybody can give you 40. Right. Right. Like just just because they're off, just because they have a bad game, don't make them a bad player. Like everybody at that level can give you 40. Right. You know? And so to your point about, you know, who you're surrounding yourselves with, you know, I, I, I agree. Like when you're, when you're at the absolute pinnacle of your social group, they say it's lonely at the top. Yeah. In that space is very lonely because you're in, in, in many, in many cases, we have such a mask that we're wearing in that space in order to keep that status in that space. And it's almost like you're competing 
to be the biggest and the best and and the smartest and and the most most wealthy or whatever the case may be. But when you're in a in a group of individuals that have su- superseded where you are, it's in that space that you feel normal again. Right. Right. It's interesting what you say about it. it they make it look easy. I remember back in the day in like the mid 2000s, Jerry West was the president of the Grizzlies. And uh, for folks who don't know, like the logo, the NBA logo, the silhouette is Jerry West. Mm -hmm. Okay. So one of the greatest players of all time. And at that time he was probably in his late sixties. So I'm there early before a game and the, the Grizzlies, the FedEx forum has like the practice facility. You can actually see into it. And I remember Jerry West in a full suit. I mean, cufflinks and all i swear he drained like 33s in a row i mean just effortless in his late 60s you know that's how much muscle memory that man had to like i do you know how uncomfortable suits are <laughs> to where you're just like everything is just wet just yeah. going through yeah so it's it, yeah it's just incredible to observe but yeah you're right it's it's when you when you start surrounding yourself by people in, in a certain space where they're the elite ones is when you start feeling normal again because normal is average essentially by definition mm-hmm. and it's the challenge of that and um so so you know when you look past you know you're in college you're hooping you're in all-time leading scorer at vandy all the accolades nba professional ball etc and then you're done you know, I've talked to military guys about this on this podcast where, you know, they lose their entire identity once they leave the military. You know, you've probably been playing ball since you were six or seven. And now, now it's over with, professionally at least. What does that feel like? It's, it's a very humbling place when you begin to realize that You've done something for so long that it becomes so synonymous with you that you don't know yourself outside of that thing. Ooh, okay. That's that's a hard place to be in. And I've I've always said out loud that basketball is what I do. It's not who I am. Um, my father and I used to talk about that all the time. How it was so critical and important that I hone in on other skills, um, that I do other things while I was also playing basketball. So I taught myself how to play piano, you know, Mm. um, I I took speech classes, so I was good at public speaking and and really enjoyed that. And, um, I was really good at math in school, not good enough to, to, to do it at an elite level in, in, in college and beyond. Like I'm not going to be anybody's, you know, um, chief rocket scientist. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, yeah, I'm not anybody's CFO, you know, but, yeah. but I, I was always priding myself on, on, on that. But then when I retired from basketball after six years of playing professionally, I looked around and the, the only work experience I had was in basketball. Right. So regardless of what I felt like I could do, the only thing I had proven that I could do was play basketball. And so I had to figure out like what's next? What's and and not just what's next. What's next that that I can do at the level that I played this game of basketball? That's different. 
right? Like, like, could I, could I go just pick up and do some of anything? Yeah. But was I going to be able to excel at it? Right. That's the question. Because the other part about, you know, my life and many others that, that have, have charted this path, when, when you've played basketball or played any sport or, or been engaged in any elite thing at the highest level, not only is that who you know yourself to be, but that's who others know you to be. And so then how do I become known now for something other than basketball when basketball is like a shadow that, that people can't see past, right? Like, that was the thing that was also difficult for me. How do I how do I create a new identity? There's, there's no blueprint for this. And most people don't really understand because they don't they don't go to a restaurant and people come up to them and ask for autographs. Right? Like most people don't don't arrive at an airport and somebody come up to them and ask to take a picture. Like that's not that's not normal, right? Like that's that's not the norm. And so now, in a business sense, as I began to 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 move into the business space, it was like everybody wanted to talk basketball, but basketball wasn't was no longer going to pay my bills, right? And it's, right. it's one thing for people to you know, admire you. It's another thing for people to do business with you. Those are two different things. You Like I brought all the value to the table for basketball, but I hadn't proven any value in any other space. And so it took me some time to build the business reputation. And I take pride now in when, when I get off the airport when I get out, out, off the plane and I'm walking through the airport and somebody comes and taps me on the shoulder and say, yo, you, you're Shane Foster. I'm like, yeah. They're like, yo, man, I, I love the work you're doing in the community, man. Keep keep doing that. That means a lot. You know, what you're doing with domestic violence, man, it really matters. Right? Somebody grabs me and they're like, yo, man, I appreciate the time you spent with my kids. Right? Like they're, 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 they're having different conversations with their peers now because you made a difference, right? Or somebody comes and they, yo, I, I heard you speak, man, and, and, and what you're doing around diversity, equity, and inclusion, man, it's really making a difference, man. It really making an impact, man. I'd, I'd love to talk to you about you can come do this at my company, right? Now I'm being known for something that's bigger and greater than basketball. And it's something that if you would have asked me five to seven years ago, I didn't see this. I knew it was possible, but the path to get there wasn't the same as basketball. Yeah. Right? Like it just it just wasn't, man. And I and it was hard and I spent a lot of days, you know, really scared. You know, cuz I'm I'm married, you know, you're married, like we we got to provide. Like I got right. to I got to bring some home. Right? Right? But then also there's the internal part of it that I want to be to my wife who I've always been. 
I don't want to be less than that. Right, 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 right. Right? Like I don't, I don't, I don't want like if if thing if we got into hard times, like my wife is ride or die. Like she with me, you know what I mean? But at the same token, the way my wife looked at me after we won a basketball game and I dropped 30, I want that look. Right, right. You don't want the pity look. Right, right. Like I yeah, right, like I don't. I want I want that admiration. I want, you know, my wife said to me one day, Shane, you're the you're the best man that I know. Right? Like, I want that. I want I want I, so so now my fight is like, I gotta keep that. Right now I'm not now I don't I no longer want, you know, to the be recognized by people outside my house. I wanna make my wife proud of the person she chose. And it's hard to do that when you're chartering a path that you've never chartered before and nobody in your family has either. Right. Well, so there's, there's, there's like, nobody I can grab to be like, yo, what's the blueprint? Right. Well, it's like hey, you man. and I talked about, talked about it at breakfast. Um, we talked about Luka Doncic mm-hmm. and how fun it is to watch him just cook people. But, so Luka Doncic comes into the league at what, 18, 19, and is just immediately relevant. Yep. But what people don't realize is that Sasha Doncic, his father, played professionally for a decade. Won gold medals at the you know, was was a was a formidable basketball player. Yeah. Are his genetics that much different than Luka? No. It's that he paved the way, and then Luka, when he was three, had somebody teaching him all the things, not just his dad, Sasha, but all the all of his friends who were ball players that poured into him. That's a basketball example, but that's that's a really good analogy to that to that life. You ain't nobody charted that path for you before. It's gonna be a lot easier for anybody that you mentor or kids or whatever it may be who want to go down that same path because you can say, hey, right here, don't reinvent the wheel. Do this instead. Yeah. Yeah. And and when you when you're out here by yourself, man, trying to figure it out, one of the things that you learn quickly is that you really can't do it by yourself. Right. Like basketball, I could get in the gym and and just work, man, and and see the immediate results. Well, particularly as an African American man in a predominantly white male business environment relationship is your, it's your capital it's your capital it's it's everything right and so but it's different than basketball right because in in basketball I didn't need anybody to vouch for me. Yeah, I just had to, to show up and make shots. Right. Right? I just had to show up and be elite. Well, in business, sometimes you need someone else to validate you before you even get the opportunity. Right. The social proof is diff- is presented differently because it's not visual the same way. It's different. Yeah. Right? Like it's like from from a speaking standpoint, the moment I became an author, it was like it was it was like I got an instant level of credibility that that 
you would assume I didn't have before. I'm the same person. I'm just an author. Right. Now, right? right. But it means something different in the business space. And so I had to figure all of that out, you know? Um, and, and, and so I'm fortunate enough to, to value relationships to the extent that I've built a personal board of directors where I'd now have people who I can call on in different spaces of my life and business and go to them and say, Hey, how do you, how do I do this? Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm running into a roadblock here. What are you, what are your thoughts? Right. Mentorship is not just for kids. Right? Like, like we, we all need, need mentors, people who, who have charted that path before you and, and, and can speak into you and, and encourage you. Um, cause entrepreneurship is not for the faint at heart, you know, and, but when you have people in your life that care enough about you to be honest with you, to tell you the truth, to keep you on track, to be, you know, to that accountability that we talked about before, then you're able to even see possibilities um, that you didn't even know were there. And that's what I'm learning now, right? I'm beginning to even be able to see myself in a different light because of the individuals that are pouring into me at this space and stage of my life. It's interesting what you say about being able to see things you you didn't even know and opportunities and, and realities that you didn't even know were really there. Think about this. Let's say 2006, you walk down Vanderbilt's campus. It's kind of cheating because you're a big dude. Like you're, you're hard to miss. Um, but you walk down Vanderbilt's campus. What percentage of people that you pass would know who you are. What do you think? 60, 70 at least? I mean, there's always people who just don't know anything about sports. Right. Nah, most people on our campus knew me. Okay. Or knew of me. You do that same thing today? How many of those kids do you think know you? Oh, goodness. Well, I'd, I'd probably say maybe it's about 20% now because they just retired my jersey a couple of months ago. So... That 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 kind of so made you, it more. You're, right. you're riding the wave of the retirement. Let, yeah. Let's say you know six months ago, whatever. Right before you know yeah, before six months before ago, the, yeah. probably about five yeah. percent. Right. So because that'll level off again because there's going to be a new cohort of people who yep. who have no idea. Yep. You know, I, I wish more people had that discussion, especially with folks who are in the limelight, where it's like, hey, the the light is on you right now, but. I hate to break it to you. There's going to be, you know, there's going to be some kid who was born in the year 2002 who won't know who you are nor care. Yep. And to not lose your identity along the way, to not lose, you know, like, like your wife said, you're, you're the best man she knows. You know, it kind of makes me think back to one earlier piece of conversation we've had about early in the podcast about calling people out for the wrong behavior and the culture of like not saying anything. It's like, dude, if you're going to beat your wife, how the hell am I supposed to trust you? Yeah. Because if that if you're going to do that to the person you're supposed that's supposed to be your teammate, that's supposed to be your your person you're building a life with, who am I to you? And what will you do to me? Yeah. You might not be able to physically hurt me, but are you going to screw me over in a business deal? You know, so there's Again, just that reality, that self-reflection, that growth, that 
Um, and sometimes that growth is realizing, hey, you know, ain't nobody going to know my name. <laughs> and yeah. everybody knows my name right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of that is goes back to exposure, though. You know, like being I, I travel a lot now. I'm on the road quite a bit. And it's. It's interesting when I'm, when I'm in Nashville, I'm in I'm in my space, I'm at home. Right. People know me, recognize me. I do business here. I've done work here. I went to school here, all the stuff. But I can go one state over and 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 be there for a whole week. And unless somebody reads my resume or reads my bio. People ain't gonna know me from Adam. Right. And so it it causes me, one, to to stay humble two, to stay hungry, but three, it causes me to really appreciate that normal is good, right? Like when, when, when you, when you play at a high level, man, and, and you get a chance to be admired by people in that way, it's a different life. It's 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 so so different. I used to say all the time that everybody should get treated like a star athlete at least one time in their life, because it's just freaking amazing. But you can get caught up in that such that you begin to to believe the hype, right? Because those people only know the version of you that is on TV, the version of you at your very best doing this one thing. They don't know the flaws. They don't know the struggles, right? They, they, they don't know what keeps you up at night, right? They don't know the skeletons in the closet. They don't know none of this. So you can begin to believe the hype, man. And, but when when you get it, when I get a chance to just be normal, then it's like there's, there's such there's such power in it, man, because you realize you got to fight just like everybody else. Like you, you, you got to be, you got to be on in certain situations, just like everybody else, you know, and I'm, I'm fortunate enough to where, you know, I do have a resume based on work that I've accomplished, you know, that, that speaks volumes, that, that gains a level of respect from people immediately, you know, and so that, that, that helps in that business space. Right. Um, but you still got to show up and 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 you got to produce right and and nobody cares about accolades when it's time to produce and i'm comfortable in that space only because of what we talked about before that when you go from high school to college everybody's good and they don't care what you accomplished in high school when you go from college to pros everybody killed in college so they don't care what you did then you got to show up. And so having those experiences allows me to be able to show up in the business space and produce um, without the anxiety that I think a lot of people feel. You right. Know, Cause in you've that been space. in the limelight. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, coming up on time here. So I gotta, I gotta make sure I ask the question that I, that I always ask at the end of a podcast, but you know, we go back to, 18 year old you, you know, 
you you're you're feeling yourself off of the fact that you got a rival's profile. You know, you were one of those early classes that finally had the internet and people could could see all over. Um, you know, you you're coming to Vandy, you're all wide eyed and bushy tailed, ready for the world. There's one piece of advice if you go back to yourself at eighteen. One piece of advice, knowing all that you know at this stage of your life and knowing all that you know about yourself at this stage of life, what's one piece of advice you give yourself at that age? Mm. One piece of advice I would give myself at that age. I would say to spend more time with people. One of one of my biggest regrets from my college experience was that I didn't build the kind of relationships on campus that would allow me to have friend groups now that I went to school with, right? Like I got pockets of people that I was close to, that I'm still close, relatively close to today. And I know a lot of people that I went to school with. But when I look at my classmates who didn't play a sport, right? Like they go on golf trips and they got groups of buddies and it's like eight or nine of them. And they're all married and kids and they all hang out together. They work together, do business together. And that's what their life looks like now. I don't have that. Like, even being in Nashville, like, I know everybody in Nashville. But I don't have a friend group like that. You know, I I just, I just recently, um, because we moved to a certain area, um, where one of my best friends live. So I have a small group that my wife and I are very close with, and we hang out quite a bit and take trips together. Um, but I don't, I don't have that from college. I don't have that from high school. And that's, that's, that's something that I do. Um, I do from time to time wish that I had. Mm, um, interesting. Yeah, because playing ball, I mean, I, I spent a lot of time with my teammates, but after college, we all go our separate ways, right? right? I end up coming back to Nashville, and I have a few teammates that that live here and work here. Um, but for the most part, people went and played professionally. People went back to their hometowns. People, you know, went and, and, and figured out life in some other city, right? Like, life takes you in all of these different spaces. So, you know, like, Alex Gordon, who is my my roommate, one of my best friends, he went and lived in Hawaii, just moved his family back to Florida. Um, Derek Byers, who was uh, also SEC Player of the Year, uh, we went to the Sweet 16 together. He was my roommate one year. My brother, he lives in in um, in Miami, right? Like so, the, so the people who I spent the majority of my time with, yeah, they live in other states, right, right, and so I maybe see them every three or four years. Right. Right. So, but yeah, man, I just, that's, that's the one regret that I have that I didn't, I didn't spend as much time with the individuals on campus that would have allowed 
for some more longer standing friend groups from college. Mm. I'm not gonna lie. I think I've recorded like 145 episodes at this point. I don't think anybody said that. Yeah. So that's a, I really appreciate that answer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for everybody who wants to learn more about you, how, how can they get a hold of you? You can go to my website, shanefoster.com. You can find me on all social media platforms, shanefoster underscore 32. Um, yeah, that's that's where I'm at, man. Pretty pretty easy to get in touch with these days. Um, but 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 yeah, all the content is out there, all everything. Cool. And I'll make sure to link all that in the show description so you can just click on it, whether it's on Spotify, iTunes, Google, wherever. Um, thanks for coming on, man. This was awesome. I appreciate you. This was this great, was, man. Uh, thanks, thanks for having me. Yeah, we, uh, we did a nice uh, last time we saw each other, we grabbed breakfast together, which was at whatever time in the morning it was. And now we're recording at seven. So we're just uh, we're just first thing in the morning getting a getting a dose of, uh, of wisdom yeah. um, for everybody listening. Info at uh, manhoodpod.com. If you want to get a hold of me, if you want got people you want me to interview, if you've got constructive criticism, keyword constructive, you can't just complain. You got to offer a solution uh, or manhoodpod.com. You can get an archive of all the episodes and uh, Outside of that, I appreciate you guys, and we'll talk to you guys soon.